When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Falls over Patterson Stadium. The crowd sense the moment. The stutter steps. The big long ball. Number 10. It's a thing of beauty. Here they come too. Even Jono's liking this one. There's some happy West Coast memories. Josh Kennedy kicking 10 at the... Well, they were calling it Patterson Stadium back in those days, of course. Subiaco Oval. If you've got a question for Josh, get it in now on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 because he's joining me on the show now. Josh, welcome. How are you? Good morning, Duff. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm uh, I'm going better than West Coast are right now, um, which which is not saying a lot. But, um, mate, the one-quarter lapses... What's going on and how do you address it? Is it a case of younger teams and depleted teams just don't sustain for that long or is there something you can do to, to, to eliminate the, the – to, to reduce the gap between your best and worst in games, I guess? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's, it's definitely been a trend um, for West Coast this year. And, yeah, that second quarter has obviously uh, been one where the game has just kind of blown out too much and – there's always been fight, uh, I suppose, in that first that first quarter, and then um, the other opposition get dominant in that second, and yeah, it just becomes real tough. And you know, even the last half in games, um, trying to fight through, and the effort seems to be there, but the score is just blown out too much to be able to able to peg it back. And yeah, it comes down to the momentum swings um, and being able to control them. And uh, you know, a lot of the time in those situations, having the experience out there does help um, to be able to set things up structurally and uh, how to adjust a few things to be able to, you know, kind of um, slow that momentum down. Um, And that's just one thing I think West Coast have been struggling with this year is those momentum shifts. So it it does come down to a bit of experience not being out there. But um, in those times, you know, you kind of craft and and your method, which I think Simo's talked about a lot, is hasn't been there and, and, and that's where the game can can open up when you're um when you're not when you're not doing that. So yeah, it has been a bit of an issue and you know, even the other way, I think when West Coast do have momentum they haven't been really able to capitalise. So um, you know, it kind of expands both ends of, of the momentum swings where, you know, they can't stop it, but when they have it, um, haven't been able to I suppose get that, that score on the board. You're right. In the first and third quarters, West Coast had good uh, a good piece of influence on the game, but it never really translated onto the scoreboard in either of those quarters, did it? No, no, no. And you know, the inside fifty count, you know, has obviously been an issue in the supply, um, being able to get it up to the forwards. But um, you know, when they do have it, I think the inside fifty to the game were the sixty-three to thirty-one, thirty-one. You know, in the thirties is always very, very low. And um, over many years, I think we've been pretty efficient um, with our limited supply. But um, yeah, those momentum shifts where you do get a few inside fifty and a few of those quick plays just been, haven't been able to one take a mark um, in that forward half to be able to control it. Um, but then also, yeah, yes, get that score um, on the scoreboard. 
So it also happened on Friday night at the source, didn't it? And that's hard to stop with 6-6-6 formations. 6-4 from stoppages in the second term and Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson going to work. They're pretty handy players, Josh. They are. They're, they're very young, exciting um, talents coming through. And, yeah, that, 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 they were too good. Um, obviously dominated through that midfield and, and obviously big wits in, in as their ruckman. You know, Bailey had another challenge. He's been he's been challenged uh, every week. And um, it, it's good to see him, I suppose, being exposed um, to this because it's going to make him a better player. And he's got another big challenge next week against Meek. So, um, yeah, that, that, that midfield kind of battle, I think contested possession was 150 to 116, um, which is, you know, which is which is huge. It's it's hard to get the the ball forward, uh, and I suppose controlling your forward half when you when you can't win that contested ball. And um, Tim Kelly's been pretty consistent, um, but you know you, you need guys like him and Dom Sheed and and Andrew Gaff who you know they're relying on and they need to be at their best 100 percent of the time to to help that. And um, you know it just hasn't been the case. So. The courage of Jack Darling to stay out there for a quarter and a half with a fractured arm. Have you ever played with a fractured arm before? Um, I don't know, maybe. Um, I think I played with a fractured leg once. That didn't really go too well, especially when you try and get a jab and it hits a nerve and it takes away your whole foot feeling. It's pretty hard to have a shot on goal and run around. So, But no, look, um, yeah, it was, it was very brave, um, you know, with... The depleted list at the moment, um, and in those tough times, you know, to have a senior player, um, I suppose, push through that, and um, yeah, just to see him want to do the best he can for the team and just get out there and, and create a contest. So, um, as a forward, you know, especially your arm, you need that in marking contests. So, I couldn't imagine um, what sort of pain uh, he kind of went through being back out there, just to, I suppose, um, be able to give those contests. But, um, but yeah, it's very brave by Jack. So. Um, when you cop criticism like Jack copped, is there is there a part of you that sort of goes, I'll show them? And like clearly, Jack's made the call. I can go back out. It, it, that's what it looked like, and um, and, and he tried to, to hang in there for a, for a quarter or so with the team. Is that likely to be a human response to some of the criticism that he copped in the in the last couple of weeks? Oh, look, oh, to be honest, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, any situation where a player just wants to do the best for his teammates and, and get back out there, and um, even when things are going well and you're up by you know, 30, 40 points, um, you know, you're still wanting to get back out there. And uh, it, He would have made that call with his body, with his arm, the assessment, um, you know, being able to... Well, I think he had that wrap on. There might have been a guard already put on. Um, who knows? But he would have been... He would have felt comfortable enough to be able to get back out and, and at least um, try and have an impact and, and make a difference for the team. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think the obviously timing-wise now we're looking at the criticism that he's copped over the last month and, um, you know, it's easy to kind of say that, yeah, he wanted to come back on to kind of prove them wrong. But I think that, you know, regardless of the criticism, Jack would have, would have, would have been out there um, helping the team because he wants to do it for his teammates. Yeah, no, I'm just wondering. We, we underestimate the human element of football often, don't we? We, we sort of like treat um, players like machines that you, you should be able to just wind up and they produce X level of performance every every week. But they are human beings. And he did cop some stuff which was over the top. And um, just I know that, mate, I'm a human being and I know how I'd feel about it. I would be like, I'll show you, yeah. mate. You know, it's like, there'd be a bit of that <laughs> no. about me, I reckon. Um, no, it is, it is it is, true. But, you know, I think, you know, talking about injuries and trying to get out there, that, you know, 
80 percent, I reckon, of, of players are carrying something. And when you're looking at a player run around, you can't really see any hindrance, you know. But I can guarantee you, there's probably 80 percent of players out there that are playing through some sort of pain. So, Jermaine Jones broken nose. Can you play with a broken nose? I've seen people do it before. Would you expect him to play against Hawthorne this weekend? Um, yeah, I assume so. That it's probably kind of come down to the docs and the medicos. And um, uh, I've, I've I've been lucky enough. I, I've, I've never broke my nose. So, um, but I've seen guys break it. I've, I've been sitting on the bench when guys come off, and, and the docs have to shift it back into place. It doesn't really look too flash. But um, but I assume that uh, with your nose, um, you know, the only risk of is, is getting hit again. Um, and depending how bad that break is, and whether they could get it in, sometimes you need surgery on that. I'm not too sure, but. Other times you can just click it back in and, and away you go. So it, it will come down to swelling in his face and, you know, I suppose through his eyes and being able to see and, um, you know, and that hindrance of, of confidence on being able to, I suppose, go into a contest and not worry about it. So um, it's going to come down a little bit of how Jermaine's feeling, I assume, this week. But um, the Medicos will be able to make that call. You played in 2010 when West Coast won their wooden spoon. Have you ever played in a game like the game against Hawthorne this week where the loser actually wins something, where basically the loser probably all, well, almost certainly goes to the mid-season rookie pick, uh, mid-season rookie draft with the number one pick and uh, and may well end up with the number one pick at the end of the season. Have you ever played in a game like that? Um, no, not that I can remember. I think in 2010, yeah, we, we were battling at the bottom, but I think there was a little bit of a gap um, between, I think, the, the other bottom teams from, from my recurrence of it. But, um, but, yeah, it is a very interesting situation to be in coming up to that mid-season break and, and obviously the way the two teams are going. Both have been struggling, you know, with winning, I suppose, that contested uh, footy against their opposition. There's been a bit of mid- midfield dominance from opposition against them and, you know, support Fly inside 50 hasn't hasn't been that great, so um, it is going to come down, I suppose, to the middle this week and who can who can lock it in their forward half. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation like this where you you're playing and um, yeah, it is I suppose the, the bottom of the table. But you know, it's something that, as a player you don't re- you're not sitting there going like oh well, if we lose this week at least we get number one. You're always going putting your foot forward trying to get the win. So um, yeah, hopefully the, the boys can do that this week. Yeah, I think people in the general public underestimate just how competitive um, AFL players are. I mean, you play you know, a game of social golf against an AFL player, and if you get a couple of shots up, you get reminded pretty quickly how serious the game can get. It's uh, <laughs> they, they they do compete yeah. very hard, and they're at a different level of competitiveness to to most of us in the in the general community. One thing that um, Adam Simpson has talked about over the last couple of weeks is rotating the captaincy through the back half of the season. We've seen Tom Barris do it a little bit, and we saw Liam Duggan do it on the weekend. Um, who else do you think gets a shot at the captaincy when they rotate that through in the back half of the year? Oh, look, obviously Oscar Allen's probably the next standout. You know, he's part of the leadership group, has been part of that developing emerging leaders group, you know, for many years in um, how Oscar conducts himself, uh, not only in the team, in meetings, um, his awareness uh, and I suppose game sense on, on game plan and how how, how the how the game shifting, you know, is, is pretty good. So um, I think, you know, Oscar's probably that next one if they're going to rotate it through. Liam Duggan was exceptional on the weekend and um, to come in um, as he did, uh, you know, be captain, there's that, that little bit extra responsibility. 
Um, I suppose pregame speech is probably the big one, but no one listens to. But you get so nervous when you go out and uh, it's, 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 guys can can nail it. But I uh, know for me that was one thing. You know, you can sit up and talk in a meeting, talk in front of everyone. You can do present things, and then when you get there with twenty of your mates sitting there on field uh, in a circle, you, you freeze. Well, I used to freeze, so I had um, I had a couple of funny ones. But no, it was great to see Dougo. Um, take that captain's uh, captaincy and then be able to perform um, and, and that effort he had, you know, 32 two touches, obviously running through that midfield, but um, but he's consistent and, and so is Oscar. Oscar's been really consistent this year, so he's probably looking at that next one to rotate it through and give him a bit of that go. Pretty phenomenal performance by Oscar Allen to kick multiple goals in every game in a team that's getting the sort of supply that West Coast is getting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I know it's been talked about a lot. There was only him and Jeremy Cameron. I think Jeremy Cameron kicked one on the weekend, so Oscar becomes the top of that list to kick multiple goals. And, um, you know, as a forward, all these little stats, you know, generally pop up over the, over the course of the year. And, um, you know, for Oscar, he... He works pretty hard on his craft. Uh, he works on hard on getting that opportunity and, and, and when the ball is coming inside 50 for his team. So hopefully that's not playing in the back of his head because sometimes those little things can creep in and, you know, he, he might kick one on the weekend and then all of a sudden it gets to the back end of that last quarter. All he's worrying about is trying to keep that two-goal tally. So hopefully that doesn't um, doesn't creep in and he, he still keeps um, playing the way he's going because... Yeah, once you once you go once you go away from your process on um, you know being able to perform and have that consistency and the little things in your head like that, you know, you can miss those opportunities. So, but you know, he's he's big enough and strong enough to be aware of that, and and um, yeah, he'll he'll keep sticking to his process. Question from Lisa from Allenbrook, Josh, and I think you and I have discussed this on the show before. Um, the Eagles, I'm assuming they do take a mid-season rookie draft pick. Is it a midfielder or a or a taller player? Uh, yeah, uh, either way, really. You kind of the list and how we are at the moment, and being so depleted. Um, and I think you look at who's coming back over the next, you know, kind of few weeks. It's probably good that there was a there's a waffle buy this weekend, so a few of those younger kids, you know, can kind of have another week of training. And I think we get about four coming back through the waffle. And you know, uh, Kobe, Bergle, uh, Hewitt. Uh, no long, I think Jackie Williams is, is just about back. So um, having some consistency, you know, with those guys coming back and being able to play, you know, Yo and Shuey uh, probably two to three weeks away with both of them, but the rest are all five or six. So um, got a lot of tools, got a lot of mids out, um, you know, and you'd always go for, the, for that for that midfielder, um, especially if they're a mature age or having some consistency at whatever level they're playing. So Contested possession in the middle has been a big one. Um, so, you know, being able to find that big body midfield is, is always a gem. And if they can, you know, um, as they've done with Jai Kali last year and, and help improve, I suppose, that midfield kind of grunt uh, will help uh, help going because um, we, we do have a lot of tools um, and, and guys and young guys coming through. One question from one retired champion forward to another one who's near the end. What do you make of Lance Franklin at the moment and how should we treat what is looking increasingly like Lance's last year of AFL footy? Oh, Lance has been a great of the game. And, you know, um, what he's given to footy fans, to um, everyone in the AFL community has is, is been unbelievable. And, um, you know, he should be acknowledged for every accolade that, that he's been able to produce over his career. And, um, you know... It, 
it is it is hard watching, I suppose, when you have someone who's been so dominant and influential um, over the course of, you know, nearly the last two decades and, you know, seeing that, you know, they are getting to that point um, and, you know, Lance might not be playing um, consistent footy or might not up to the level that he wants to or people expect him to be. Um, but it is it is going to be a sad day when, um, when Lance Franklin's not playing AFL football. Is he the best one, apart from yourself, of course, but is he the best one in your time in footy, you reckon, the best tall footy? Uh, I'm not- I'm not even in that category of, of, of Bud. You know, he's, um, yeah, I've been so lucky. We're obviously similar age. We, we played state 16s and, and 18s together. Um, very lucky to be able to, I suppose, one, go through um, a little bit of juniors with him and then, you know, sit from, I suppose, opposition watching him play. Um, and, yeah, you, there's a lot of players over your career that you're, you're very grateful and, and lucky to be able to experience one uh, playing against and being able to watch, and, and he's definitely one of them. Were you playing in that game down at Cadenia Park where you kicked the winner late in the game in the 18s, were you, Josh? Uh, yes, I was actually I was injured. So uh, I wasn't um, I wasn't actually playing, but um, I went over. There was a few of us, and Mitch Clark was was uh, was one as well who was injured, but we still went over with the team. So yeah, from from an early age, um, you know, you definitely did see his dominance. You know, especially coming out from 16s into that 18s level, and um, you know, I can remember a time with uh, the AIS AFL Academy. Uh, we had the Gaelic Footy uh, Ireland um, yeah, came over and we played them and. Um, Terry Williams was the coach, and we were playing at the MCG, and we had this rule, because we were footballers, you know, going for the, the under, the six, um, with the ball, you know, it's just not us, just keep kicking goals, and that's what we're here to do, and that's, you know, what we do, and um, it got to a point right at the end of the game where uh, we were we were down, um, and, and Buddy turned it on, and I think he kicked two or three unders, um, a couple other guys just started going for the unders, and um, obviously that's six points, so we ended up getting the win, which was... Um, um, which was fantastic, but you know the excitement that that Bud uh, has brought, you know, from from all levels of football. Yeah, it's um it's been great to watch. Yeah, he has been certainly one of the most watchable players, and a bloke with unique gifts. I think, which always makes a player a little more interesting and fascinating to watch. Hey, very quickly, yeah. can West Coast beat Hawthorne in Launceston? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. It's going to be um, it's going to be another tough challenge. Obviously, travelling, um, which is one. But um, but the way Hawthorne are going and the way West Coast have been travelling, um, you know, uh, missing certain elements to to both their game, especially in the midfield with with that contested footy. Uh, you know, it's going to be another challenge for Bailey. I think coming up against Meek um, and obviously Jamison playing as well. So it's yeah. They get that right in the midfield. They can get it locked in their forward half, you know, which I think they can this week. Um, they'll very, they'll go very close to, to beating the Hawks, and um, hopefully we can come away with the four points. And hopefully we are here uh, thanks to New Farm Galaxy, the flexible tank mix partner to control broadleaf weeds. Your segment on the show next week. Hopefully we'll be talking about a win and uh, some more optimistic things to come in the back half of the season. Josh, thank you so oh. much for your time. Can't wait. Cheers, mate. Josh Kennedy, West Coast Eagles legend, AFL life member, champion forward, always a regular on the show on Tuesdays. All right, we'll take a break. If you want to have your say on anything that Josh has had to say, the temperate bedshed text line is open, 0487 736 736.